you've got the body. I've got the brain. Brennan, this is Sergio, and we're Scream 101. It's fading out. You can talk. Okay. So as you can tell by our new trademarked uh, opening song. And we're, we're closing our, our drawers with our butts. Yeah. It's, it's the montage where the song is playing when he's like cleaning his room all gay-like. Oh, yes. That's what, what's happening. Okay. Okay. I see you now. <laughs> I was so confused. I assumed you were trying to do the the Johnny something whatever song. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, yes, Papa. Like yeah. That one? And that's that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Um, and we're pre-recording this episode, so that meme is long dead. Uh-huh. Um, yes. No, I was just doing me a little bit of, uh, a little bit of fun, because we're watching A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, or we did watch it, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. I forgot completely what you we were going to review. I thought we were reviewing 9 to 5. No, um, well, that's part of our 10-word reviews. You've really derailed my whole excitement about this conversation. But let's do some 10-word reviews of movies we watched in the past week, including 9 to 5. How about you hit us with that one first? Okay. Feminism peaked when Dolly sang during the opening titles. (laughs) And my review is, loses me with its second-act wackiness, but charmingly prescient. Good. Uh, Muriel's Wedding. Tony Collette delivering an Oscar-worthy performance in her first movie is peak Tony Collette. Ooh, and my review is the tensest Tony Collette movie I've seen all year. Oh, that's some shade to Hereditary. Is it? It is. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, it is. God. Oh, and you didn't even see um, that movie with Nick Offerman, Hearts Beat Loud. Was it tense? There's so much tension. Okay. Sexual tension? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, well, um, if you want full 10 word reviews of the current movies that we've been watching, which isn't a lot right now, sorry, um, you can follow us on Patreon, um, at the $2 level, $3 level gets you extra bonus episodes in addition to our archives. Mm -hmm. And actually speaking of that, that's at patreon.com slash scream 101, all one word. Um, we're actually going to be starting a new bonus episode system where every month, we're going to be watching a little bit of short form content that's inspired by what we're uh, like the franchises we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be starting with the short film Disciples of the Crow, which was based on um, Stephen King's Children of the Corn short story. Whoa! That he let some film students make, and they they were they were allowed to buy the rights for a dollar. Wow! Because, what a stand up guy! Yeah, I think he just wanted to make filmmakers that liked him better than Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> oh, I like him. Yeah, he's grown like. Two slots higher in my esteem now. Isn't that sweet? That is really sweet. Yeah, so we're going to be checking that out. That's a 20-minute short film that we're going to be reviewing in a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. So you should check out our Patreon. Yes, do it. And also you'll get to hear us talk about Tony Collette. All the time. All the time. Forever. This is just going to become a Tony Collette podcast. I mean, it kind of already is. Isn't it? Remember when we reviewed Karma? No, Krampus? <laughs> no. Um, Coming next up. week, The Hours. Is she in that? Yeah. 
Which one is she? She's not one of the hours, but no. <laughs> she what, like, is she one of the minutes? <laughs> yeah, she's in there for a couple minutes. She kisses Julianne Moore. That's her. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, are you sure? Yes. Okay. Look, I, I guess I should trust your hours knowledge. Yeah, I've seen that movie like a thousand times. Yeah. Okay. So those of you it who really don't has, know me, it lives up to its name, and that it's eaten up a lot of hours of your time. <laughs> I just really like talking about Virginia Woolf's sadness. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Virginia. <laughs> You will be missed. Um, anyway, um, also another plug. My, if this, if everything goes according to plan, because I am pre, we are pre-recording this episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this week should be the second week that Attack of the Queer Wolf is uh, has a new episode. Um, that is the LGBT horror podcast that I am producing for Blumhouse. Um, that's co-hosted by Mark Fortin, Michael Kennedy, and Nate Bever. It's very, very exciting, and it's such a good show. Our second episode is on The Lost Boys, so you're going to want to check that out. That's on, um, you know, anywhere, but Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that kind of thing, at Attack of the Queer Wolf. Yeah, I just listened to them today, and they were all great. Thank you. Okay. Um, for your very convincing love. What? No, you're just you're a great actor, and you just really bowl me over with your performance stylings. Um, anyway, I'm gonna load up the plot for Nightmare on Elm Street too because I forgot to do that earlier. Here it is. Um, Jesse, so, oh, what? I was like, I am sorry for this podcast to launch, though. Oh yeah, me too. It's been so long. It's like I, I want to give it great reviews, but I haven't actually heard it. I know, um, but you will be able to hear it when this episode airs. Alrighty. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so here's the plot. Fist, fist pumping. Thank you. Jesse Walsh, Mark Patton, moves moves with his family into the home of the lone survivor from a series of attacks by dream-stalking monster Freddy Krueger, Robert Englund. That was some word salad in that sentence. Yeah. There, Jesse is bedeviled by nightmares and inexplicably violent impulses. It turns out... Freddy needs a host body to carry out his gruesome vendetta against the youth of Springwood, Ohio. While Freddy gains influence, Jesse and his girlfriend, that's, that's a stretch, um, Lisa, Kim Myers, race against the clock trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, so um, we rate all of our movies on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. Um, why don't we start with scariness? Sergio, did this movie scare you at all? Yes. Boo, like that. Yes. I give it a three. Really? Three scares. Okay. Why? Um, so everybody knows that my rating system is bonkers. Yes. Even more so than Brennan's. Um, and some of the movies that we're watching this month or for this cycle, um, I've seen before. Yes, that's true. And I kind of have this thing where it's like, if I've seen it before and I remember certain details from it, then those details uh, make it a stronger rewatch. Okay. And so I remember being freaked out when I was younger. And so that's why I get to three. Okay. I mean, but I feel like when we were reviewing the previous Nightmare on Elm Street, like having seen it before didn't really help you like it more. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? What do you mean? Well, because I, I remember you not really being scared by the first Elm Street. You're not like giving it a super high ranking. Um, because for a were, three? For scariness, I mean? Yeah, for the first one. What did I give it? I don't remember, but I just remember you... I remember kind of talking about how maybe familiarity had kind of tamped that one down a little uh, bit. Well, see, again, my ratings are just oh, bonkers. Okay. And so no for this week, this is this is the this is the standard I'm going to hold it to. Okay, great. That's just that's how we're feeling this time. That's uh-huh. fine with me. I'm I'm glad. Um was there any particular scene that like struck you as a kid that you remembered? 
Um, when fr- spoilers, Freddy like emerges from the guy's body. Oh yeah. Oh, that's intense. That American werewolf esque scene. Uh-huh. Well, I I have a lot to say about that. But we'll, and we'll just the general it. cat and mouse between Freddy and Jesse, and him like kind of preparing Jesse to become Freddy. Yeah, no, that that's definitely like ha- someone having that kind of wicked influence over your actions, mm-hmm. and not, you not really being able to control yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a scary concept. Um, it's not it's not a an Elm Street concept, shall we say? Nope. Um, it was a completely different movie. But this is more of an Elm Street movie than Children of the Corn Four is a Children of the Corn movie. You know? Yeah. Like it still feels within the universe in some way. Uh huh. Even though it's uh, not super beholden to the mythology of Freddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least Freddy's there, you know? Yeah. In Children of the Corn 4, there was no he who walks behind the rose. No, it was just Naomi Watts. Yeah. And a flu. <laughs> it was basically Outbreak 2. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so scariness, I'm giving it a 2 out of 5. Because, I mean, I, I think this movie is very silly and very fun, but I'm not super scared by it. And the first time I saw this movie, I was a teenager, so I was already a little too old to be affected by some of it. Uh-huh. Um... I mean, like, I think the design of Freddy is pretty good in this one. Like, he's very... Fleshy. Yeah, he's very fleshy and wet uh-huh. um, in a way that he never was before or after this. Uh-huh. And I feel like um, his claws were coming directly out of his fingers instead of, like, being part of a glove. Uh-huh. That's what it looked like. Um, and you can kind of see, like, the nails kind of being pushed back by his claws. It's gross and it's creepy. And it's definitely one of the better Freddy looks that he's had. And he's definitely... Had several over the years. Yes, he certainly has. Um, but he's also, you know, barely in this movie. So I guess that also helps. Mm-hmm. Like, um, because the monster should be more off screen, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be scared of it. Um, I, I, yeah, I think Freddy's doing well. And this is long before Robert Englund checked out of the role uh-huh. or like kind of transitioned into the kind of like three stooges esque thing that he was doing. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, Freddy is solid. I think Freddy's the only thing that in any way is consistent from the first movie. Mm-hmm. I mean that he's like this, he's always had that playful element where he's like a cat stalking his prey mm-hmm. um, that does convert into making jokes. Mm-hmm. He's not quite there yet, so he's still maintaining his like kind of creepy aura, mm-hmm. even though everything else around him is very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of, let's do campiness. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really good segue because we both mentioned the cat and mouse aspect of this movie. And while that to me was also really creepy, um, on a rewatch and knowing about the movie as much as I know now and about life that I know now. <laughs> you should see. I wish this was a video because the way that Sergio just stared off into the middle distance when he said about life was a beautiful moment. <laughs> um, uh, really kind of does up the campiness score, so I'm going to get a four. Me too. Because the movie's pretty campy. Uh,. This is this is the part where we talk about how gay this movie is. This is that part. Um, th- this is this is a movie that we're not going to do on Queer Wolf for a very long time, if ever, because there's no gay subtext here. It's just text. It's just text. It is boys wrestling around in the dirt, staring at each other during class. The coach literally picks up Jesse at a leather bar and makes him run laps. Yeah. Um, and that's like not a dream. That's part of real life or whatever. 
this movie this movie was a dream and as evidenced by part three which completely ignores its existence maybe it was uh-huh. <laughs> um the, yeah this movie doesn't so much do the Wes craven delicate blend of reality and dream as just be completely incoherent about what's actually happening yeah that's um, a drawback to this movie. Yeah, that's the that's the Jack Shoulder touch, shall mm-hmm. we say? He's the director. Oh, um, but the the gay stuff is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So, what, was there a moment that kind of jumped out to you this time? I was like, oh my god, how did people not know? Um, well, the leather bar thing. Yeah, that is a very explicit. Because I didn't pick up on that at all as a child. Yeah, like, it's just something that kind of breezes past you because the movie's so weird and you think it's a dream. Uh-huh. But then, like, when you're looking back through the movie, you're like, no, that really happened in some way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's that's nuts. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. My favorite gay things are always and will always be the production design, um, uh-huh. including in the biology classroom where there's a big rectum drawn on the board. Uh-huh. And um, Jesse's board game in his closet, in the closet, um, mm-hmm. it's called Probe, which I just love. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he has a sign on his room that says, no chicks. Yeah. Did you notice that? I didn't. It's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and whatever interview you, interview you listen to about this movie, you're not really sure who knew it was supposed to be gay and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Jack Shoulder swears he did not know. Uh-huh. But the, um, I believe, screenwriter and production designer were gay, as well as Mark Patton, who mm-hmm. played Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody knew. Mm-hmm. And somebody was pulling the wool over our eyes. Um, but I just, like, I remember you commenting about how Jesse never can seem to be able to button his shirt at yeah, any point. Yeah, that annoyed me quite a bit. Was, well, would it have annoyed you less if he was, like, super ripped? If it was Grady wearing half a shirt? I mean, I would have appreciated it more if it was Grady. You know, truth be told. Um, Gr- Grady is the his baseball friend, who is also the object of his affection. Yeah. Um, no, it was just, like, it's not like the movie was set in, like, you know, uh, Hawaii or someplace where you'd expect a t-shirt to just be open like that. Um, it was yeah, just, he's not Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah, it was just needless. It was just open to be needlessly open. Uh-huh. So that was my biggest... Uh, like annoyance. It's yeah. like you're in public. Mm-hmm. Show some shame. Um, one thing I did appreciate in a weird way about this movie was the fact that he that Jesse actually wasn't like incredibly ripped, like movie star handsome. Like he's a cute guy, mm-hmm. but he actually has the physique that a boy in high school might have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they both have that physique. Yeah. No, great is the same way. He's he's hotter, mm-hmm. and he's the the jock character. Mm-hmm. But like they, they're they're both they both have realistic bodies that mm-hmm. don't like d- tear you away from the idea that they're the age that they're playing, mm-hmm. which is which I think is something valuable, especially in a slasher movie. Look, this is not getting to the gross territory that Children of the Corn is getting into with me. You're staring at me weird. I'm just you know you're walking into this. I no, feel like this. No, ca- I'm not. These recordings might be used against you in oh a court God. of law. No. I'm just saying that they're not promoting like these really unhealthy body body types uh-huh. or like body image. I understand because that's like an issue in all teen media when you see fully developed women playing high school girls. And, yeah, you know, high school girls are expected to be stacked or whatever and to be as fit as them or well, I don't to know, look like just, Jessica Alba. Uh huh. And I, the same thing applies to boys. We just don't really ever talk about it. 
Yeah, and and it's a it's a very much a problem in eighty slasher movies that they cast like thirty forty five year olds to play the teens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just like that it was genuine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like I'm not drooling over them. Mm-hmm. Although Grady's cute, we can we can all stand. Every, for yeah, Grady. everyone stands for Grady. Um, what is another campiness thing uh, that really stood out? To, well, the coach. Um, going oh, back God. to him for a split second, he makes them like assume the position. He literally says assume the position, and he means push up position. But I don't think I don't. It's uh-huh. not what, it's not the image I'm conjuring. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, the whole leather bar thing with the coach. Um, I just like how he called everyone dirt ball, which is uh-huh. not a thing. Uh huh. Um, what was like the first really gay interaction with Jesse and Grady? Well, they well first of all, they um, start wrestling one another. Yeah, but there's something even before that. Literally, the first shot of Grady. Um, he's playing baseball in PE class, and Jesse's just watching him. Yeah. And he's watching him so intently that he gets beamed in the head with a baseball because he is not paying attention. Uh-huh. They have, they st- there's a lot of stolen looks and glances in this yeah. movie between then, the two of them. And then Grady pantses him, and this is all filtered through the idea of the girls off off camera going like, ooh, nice ass. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, these girls girls being present do not make this a straight scene. Because mm-hmm. all that's left is his jock. Yeah, which Jesse did not strike me as the type to wear a jock, but maybe that was a, you know... A standard for PE class at the time? Mm-hmm. I think it was more common back in the world. The world? Back in the day. The old world. Yeah, than it was than it is now. Maybe. I mean, I don't own any jocks now, nor have I ever worn any. So, maybe... maybe I gotta ask the older people I know about this. Okay, if, if you're old and know about jockstrap etiquette, I guess, email us? If you've ever worn a jockstrap, let us know. I... No comment. Um, <laughs> Care to let us know? <laughs> um, anyway, so, I mean, th- there's campy stuff all the way. Still speaking of the coach, he, uh-huh. get, he gets stripped naked in the shower and whipped with a towel. Yeah. It, what a way to die. Yeah, God. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who would be so into that. Mm-hmm. They're like, if I have to go, let that be the way, Lord. Uh-huh. Um. Well, let's see. I mean, the, even beyond the gay elements, there there's a scene that definitely was making the rounds on YouTube before I got super into horror. It's the parakeet attack scene. Oh, that scene was so sad. Sir, a little bit of context. Sergio loves him some birds. I love birds. And literally, did did you remember what happened in that scene at all? Like from your previous watching no. this movie? Okay. Yeah, because I remember they put the sheet over the little birds to make them go to sleep. And it in the scene, it was very clear that the room they were in was very hot, like mm-hmm. 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. And Sergio was just like, those birds are going to die. Like, it's too hot for the birds. Mm-hmm. Keep the birds safe. And he's like, I'm going to be so mad if these birds die. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to like the next three minutes of this movie. Because um, the cage starts rattling. And then one of the birds just falls to the floor of the cage, bloodied and dead. Because mm-hmm. one of those birds is a murderer. Uh, i see what you did there good job sir thank you but then then it flies around going all alfred hitchcock on people and then then what happens sergio and then it bursts into flames yeah so that's zero out of two birds that survived this movie i didn't even get to stick around and see the credits do we know if Peter was on set to make sure these birds lived long and health healthy lives let's say yes okay I'm sure the birds. I want to believe fine. these lies. 
No, they didn't murder a bird. I need hope. I'm sure it was fine. Well, the birds are dead now regardless. That is probably true. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's a crazy scene just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... Uh, one thing I did like from that scene, okay, though, well. was that one of the birds... Well, the bird that survived, uh, well, before it burned, it attacked the father's character. And then throughout the rest of the movie, you saw the dad just with, like, a Band-Aid covering oh, up yeah. the bird scratch. And I was like, well, they're really committing to the fact that he was attacked by a bird. <laughs> Yeah, that was, Clue Gulliger was like, I need this to perform. I need mm-hmm. to be anchored in my character. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, also, there's literally there's the font, the, the 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 Freddy's Revenge font just looks like the Terminator. It's all metal and shiny. Uh-huh. Um, what else is there? I mean, there's the room cleaning sequence that I was mentioning at the beginning yeah. where he's, like, swinging a little pop gun, a little Tommy gun thing in front of his crotch and mm-hmm. then pops it right when young Meryl Streep walks in. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention that she looked exactly like Meryl Streep. She really does. Like Circa She-Devil, mm-hmm. which we 10-word reviewed a couple weeks ago. And you can listen to that review on our Patreon. No. Why? I'm trying to sell our Patreon here. Yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. But, I mean, we might talk about She-Devil at some point. Yeah. No promises. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, no. Oh, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up before we uh, move on is the useless friend that Lisa has. Um, because Jesse and Lisa are like neighbors oh, yeah. and carpool mates. And then somehow like 35 minutes in the movie, this girl just shows up and she's like, Hey Lisa and Jesse, how's it going? Mm-hmm. And then her whole role in the movie is just to stand next to Lisa and go, so what's happening with Jesse? Yeah. She's like that comic friend, you know, the friend that encourages the girl to do all the ter- cra- terrible, crazy things like have the yeah, sex. She, she's the, the uh, uh, who's, who's the lady who has that Netflix talk show? Chelsea Handler. She's the Chelsea Handler in This Means War. Or she's the, uh, this, that's not a movie that most people would know, probably. No. She's the, who's a best friend character? Uh, you know how, oh, I don't remember the actress's she's name. She's the Rupert Everett in My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes. But a lady. Yes. More people will understand that reference. Um. better. That movie's great. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something. Um, uh, what? she's the. Do you remember the friend in Spy? Yeah, the British friend. Yeah, yes, she's the British friend in Spy. <laughs> also, also, also a reference that probably won't go well, but everyone needs to watch Spy because that movie's great. Yes. Um. Anyway, so no, she yeah, she's just the sounding board friend, but she just uh-huh. she gets shoehorned into the movie like we've known her this whole time, uh-huh. and I'm just like, excuse me, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? Yes. Um, and then she found a man at the pool party, so good for her. Yeah, that pool party scene freaked me out as a kid. Really? Yeah. Like when Freddy's bursting out of the pool and murdering the hell out of people? Yeah, when all the teens all of a sudden just, they're going to get slaughtered. Yeah, that's all you, that's all you can do sometimes. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of the uh, Carrie 2 scene. You've seen Carrie 2? Yes. Have you not seen Carrie 2? No, the Rage Carrie 2? You've actually seen that? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I can't say that I have. Oh, I thought we have seen it together. No. Who have I seen it with? It's not you. I don't know. We saw the remake of Carrie together. No, no, no I just, not that one. Not the one that had Carly Rae Jepsen in it. What? That. Oh, oh, you're talking about a meme video. That's yeah. not going to make sense. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on, Brennan, as you were. Uh, let's move on to effects. Um, what, <laughs> what score would you give to the effects of this movie? Because, I mean, this is an effects franchise. That's what it, this is about. Mm-hmm. The effects in this movie, three? No, 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 four. Yeah, four. me too. Um, I'm going with four also. Yeah, if only for that opening scene with the bus. 
Oh yeah, where where the uh, school bus like runs off the road, and then it just there's these like crumbling towers of stone that it's balancing on. That's a pretty yeah. intense scene. It looks cool. And students are just afraid for their lives. Yeah, that's, that part's not an effect. That's just acting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Um, I think the dream, like the nightmare effects, are great. Mm-hmm. Um, like we mentioned earlier, that transformation sequence where Freddy comes out of literally comes out of Jesse. Mm-hmm. Like Jesse screams, and you can see Freddy's eyeball blinking in the back of his throat, mm-hmm. and then he like bursts through his chest in this alien esque horrible thing and murders Grady. It's really... It's it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely is the freakiest scene in the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, Jesse just can't do anything about this horrible like mutilation he's undergoing from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really well done. And there's a part at the end where, for some reason, Freddy's face melts, and that's pretty cool, too. Um, I think the deaths specifically aren't particularly great um no because even the coach he only he didn't really die by being whiplashed by the towels he died because freddie just like slashed him yeah like it's a lot of slashing deaths and at the pool party there's some cool like blood gushing and stuff mm-hmm. but it's it's uh mostly what i like to call non-specific gore it's like oh they get slashed and then you see them covered in blood but there's not really wounds that you can make out. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, they're dead. Mm-hmm. I feel like the deaths aren't as specific or as memorable in this movie. No, absolutely not. The characters might be a little bit more memorable. Um, so maybe you feel a little bit more for some of them, but... Uh... I, I disagree with that, but um, I disagree that they're more memorable. Mm-hmm. But the characters are definitely better than the deaths in this movie. Okay. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the, the deaths are weirdly the weakest point of mm-hmm. this. Even though there are some great effects, they're not kill effects. Mm-hmm. Um, they really could have beefed that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, how about those dog babies? Dog babies? The dogs with, like, Happy Death Day baby faces that were, like, guarding the boiler room. Oh, uh, yeah. They were great. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I'm, I guess they did not strike a chord with you. No, they did not. Okay. Um, I guess let's move on to quality. <laughs> Don't know what to do with that. Sorry. Um, quality three. Okay. Um, sure. Mm. I'm just gonna give you the same amount of interest that you gave me earlier. Okay. Okay. Fine. Um, my reasoning for giving it a three. You you ask so beautifully. Uh-huh. Um, I give it a three because I think this movie has a lot of rewatch potential. Um, it does even have if, that. Even if it's just as a joke, like you're watching it to make fun of it, um, I think it has a lot of rewatch potential. I think it's also an enjoyable rewatch. You know, um, I would rewatch this movie having just seen it like today, having just seen it last night to make fun of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I'm also giving it three out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I I think last time I watched it, I liked it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so much great, crazy, campy '80s horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is worth a watch no matter what. Mm-hmm. But this time I really zeroed in on how completely incoherent the plot of this movie is and the rules of Freddy. And just none of it makes a lick of sense. Uh-huh. And like I was saying earlier, not in that cool crossing the line between dream and reality. It's just this incomprehensible mash of just narrative happenstance and just things happening mm-hmm. and it's just it's nuts and crazy and i like that mm-hmm. but it just doesn't gel into anything no this movie suffers from a bunch of creative ideas and none of them were really 
uh, I feel like spoken about together. Yeah, they're, they're not. Yeah, they they don't cohere. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it's just a mush. Uh huh. Um, it's like one of those. It's uh, delicious mush, mush like cinnamon raisin apple eight oatmeal that didn't uh-huh. come out of my mouth properly. It's like one of those stories where um, you're like playing with a group of people, and like I say, once upon a time, and then you say a princess was born, and then I say she went to the market, and then you say she died. <laughs> so you know, it's just like a bunch of that, that's an exquisite corpse. That's what that is called. It's exactly what that is, Brennan. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, repeat that again for me. Exquisite corpse. Exquisite corpse. Which sounds more horror-y than it normally is, but that's what it's called. Uh-huh. And perfect for the situation. Uh-huh. Um, it feels like an exquisite corpse, I would say. Um, just because there's it- so many things that leave you with questions, uh, least of all the gay subtext slash text of the movie. Although, honestly, it feels like two different people's exquisite corpses got mashed together. like Or like two sets of people. Mm-hmm. Where it's like... They took one sentence from one of them and another sentence from a completely different one uh-huh. where it's like, once upon a time, there was a princess. Then um, Elmo went to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, and then a coach came to a leather bar. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, there you go. Perfect. Thank you. And a parakeet explodes. Seriously. Yeah. It's just like if someone shredded a book of Mad Libs and then just dumped it out onto a script uh-huh. just in a random order. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's troubling for the movie itself. Uh, I mean, problematic, I guess, for the movie, because especially it doesn't really adhere to the Freddy lore. Um, no, that, that's the biggest problem. And I think that's the, the shocking thing that this franchise continued on after this. Uh Oh, really? None of them adhere to the Freddy lore? No, no. It's shocking that after this movie, anyone wanted another one. Oh, okay. Because it totally destroys what the first one was and uh-huh. did. Uh-huh. And the other ones get back to that. But it's surprising that the world let them do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I have to see the rest of them to see what you're talking about then. I mean, we will be seeing the rest of them. And actually, in a sec, we're going to make our guesses about the next one. I mean, look, I, I know. I know what happens. Uh-huh. Well, you'll make your guesses because I think that we're getting into the ones you haven't seen, I believe. I've probably seen some of them. I just really don't remember them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're getting into the like really fuzzy territory mm-hmm. for you. But first, here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can email us at Scream101podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Scream101pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101podcast. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review, and give us five stars. Um, you know, just because. Also, on Patreon at Scream101pod. Nope. Subscribe what? Patreon.com slash Scream101. I just said the wrong thing. Oh. I was, sorry, I wasn't trying to shut you down. I was like, did you, could you hear me licking my, the back of my throat? Ew, what? Oh, that was a good hereditary thing. Um, anyway, so that w- was a disaster, what I w- just said. But that that's how you can get in contact with us. I felt like there was another thing I was going to say. But it, you know, flew right Our out guesses. of guesses. Right out of my brain. Yeah. Um, so the next movie in this franchise that we'll be watching is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. It's from uh, 87, which is two years after this. So from that title, what do you think is going to happen in this movie? Um, they're going to talk about the Reagan revolution. Sure. It was released in 87. Okay. What about, is the dream warriors dreaming of fighting Reagan? Yes. Um, uh, dream warriors. So I feel like they're going to be dreaming together and it's going to be more shared dreams than we've seen in the past. That's not inaccurate. I can confirm that's not 
a bad guess. Um, do you have any other like specifics? Like, what do you think uh, the like setting might be, or the um, characters that were worried about Freddie murdering? Uh, isn't it in some kind of like asylum? Okay, you do know that. Yeah. Never mind. Um, okay. I don't really know how to prompt you any further than this. Um, yeah, and my guess is there'll be a final girl. Ooh, good guess. Maybe even two. Maybe. Because it's multiple. Dream Warriors, you mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, so that's going to happen. Um, we're going to do that next month, you know, the third week of the month, because that's when we're doing Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then... Then, next week, we're going to be hitting up Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror. We are really blowing through these children. We really are. We're just tearing through them. I'm, for some reason, really enjoying them, so I'm hoping this one keeps it up. Uh-huh. feel like it won't, but <laughs> we'll uh-huh. see. You never Did know. Did you like the fourth one as much as the others? Yeah, I liked it more. Oh, okay. Wow. We, you know, we talked about it. Yeah. I got to listen to that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hit it up. It's great. Okay. Honestly, I think our Children of the Corn episodes are the best. Because, like, Nightmare, I just feel like I know so much about it already that I don't know if I have anything to add, uh-huh. even though I love the movies. Mm-hmm. And Children of the Corn, I'm totally experiencing for the first time and being like, what? <laughs> okay, cool. That's, inter- that's fun. I like yeah. it. I think it's a good balance uh-huh. between me rhapsodizing about Wes Craven and then just being like, so this corn, <laughs> what's happening here? Uh-huh. Anyway, um... Thanks right. for listening. And until next time, good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Oh, and our theme song is a beat for you by Pseudo Echo. That's the thing I forgot I was going to say. Okay. Bye. So good luck on your journey and stay gold. Oh, yeah. Do that. Stay gold. Bye. Bye. Drink LaCroix. <laughs> okay. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. You, in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out and do a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy at podpeople.me. That was, that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>